Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Because Big Mike has got the life starting now. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. And it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome back my really good friend, Chris Miles. Hi, Chris. Hey, Mike. Pleasure to be back on again, man. Awesome to have you back. Really appreciate you. Um, you just came back from, uh, fit, I guess, not a fishing trip, but a trip to Alaska. And you, you did some, some fishing there, too. So how was that? Yep, How's but- Alaska in, in the summer? Not too cold, hopefully. No, actually, it was great. Uh, came back here and went back here in Utah. I went for a jog this morning. It was 80 degrees, which was hotter than it was in Alaska the whole time. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a big difference coming back. But uh, no, the weather's beautiful up there right now. Yeah, I guess summer's in, in Alaska nice. And uh, I, I ask you this question, but I, I want to ask again, uh, have you gone and looked for the bear looking to catch the fish with their mouth open on top of the waterfalls? Maybe you didn't. But didn't you say uh, that you almost had uh, an accident with a bear? The bear was just running across the highway while you were driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I had a lift driver pick me up, and he was. Uh, he was busy talking to me in the back, and uh, and all of a sudden I see from the left side the this bear, this black bear running across the highway, and uh, I was like, all I, all I could say was bear. <laughs> And he looked oh, and he don't, don't get really the bear. quick and the bear just ran right in front of our hood and everything. I mean, we, we, if he wouldn't have slowed down, we would have hit it, which would have been bad, obviously. But yeah, it was pretty exciting. Uh, the, all that day, I, I saw a bear that afternoon. I saw a moose earlier that morning when I was out for a hike going up the flat top. And so it was a pretty eventful day. Yeah. If you want to see the nature or, or interact with the nature, Alaska is probably one of the better places in, in the world. So Absolutely. That's yeah. awesome. All right, let's switch back and talk about, um, we'll talk about what's going on out there today and how it's impacting what you do. You are anti-Wall Street, I guess, uh, advisor, so you do some coaching with clients and you do great work with infinite banking. So let's start there. What's what's changing? Interest rates are going up. People are concerned about potential recession. That's the question. So just give us a lay of the land on what's, what's really happening out there in, in the work that you do. Yeah, I mean, I know you've talked about this on your show quite a bit, but we're definitely in a place of stagflation, right? Where inflation's soaring, but the economy's coming to a halt. It's slowing down. The feds have stopped, you know, buying up so many assets and, and things are just coming to a halt a little bit. Um, I mean, whether it's a recession or not, it doesn't really matter because uh, what we're seeing is consumer confidence is at all time, you know, not an all time low, but it's the lowest it's been in years. And that's, that's concerning because that isn't just to worry about recession that could lead to a depression, right? Because depressions are more of an emotional state than they are an actual, you know, technical state where a recession, they talk about like the two quarters of GDP being down, you know, here, depression is really more that emotional state of the people and that fear. When people get fearful, they start holding on to money tightly, money stops exchanging, everything just falls apart. Um, and it seems like we're kind of going to that direction. Although I don't know if it'll be that severe, like we saw in the 19, you know, 29 through the thirties, but I mean, that's, uh, that's a worry right now. So yeah, we are seeing that we're seeing the stock market down over 20% year to date, uh, even with a little recovery over the last week, still, um, it's been hit hard. Uh, and I think the stock market might even take a breather. It might even come back up a little bit during the summertime before it decides to 
continue its journey back downward. But I think that the stock market's not done yet. I think there's it's already been overvalued dramatically. 20% isn't nearly where the overvaluations are. And, and whenever we go into a market swing or a market cycle, and you know this, Mike, I mean, uh, just like when it swings up, it goes up and it overcorrects on the upside. It can also overcorrect on the downside. And you could lose a lot more money than what you're doing right now. And so the sentiment I see with investors, the problem I see, I shouldn't say investors, I should say savers, right? Those that put their money into mutual funds, into their 401ks and IRAs, the sentiment is, oh, well, I don't want to lose money. So as a result, what do they do? They say, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold on because I think it's going to bounce back up. In fact, some of them might even think, oh, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to buy more right now because it's on sale. Um, but the truth is, is that the sale isn't over yet. <laughs> There's still more to go. And, uh, and I've seen this even with the, my stock trading days. When I taught people how to trade stocks and options, people never want to, what they perceive as losing money. So what they'll end up doing is they'll actually lose money all the way down. Once they get, we get down to almost a market bottom, that's when people, if they've decided to bail out, will bail out right at the worst time. So yes, is it better to hold on the long-term? Sure, but it'd be better to bail out before everybody else wants to bail out. You know, it's better if you're gonna pull out your money out of stocks right now, now is a better time than waiting till it hits bottom and then you're emotionally done and then you pull out and lose a lot more. In truth, you haven't lost anything. All, all we've lost are just the gains from this overinflated cycle from 2020 and 2021. And the truth is it was already overinflated in 2020. So, you know, even if you say, oh, I lost money. Yeah, you lost the last two years gains, but there were still the previous 11 years of gains that you received. So the truth is you haven't lost anything. You're just trying to you're trying to take your profits and win is what we would say in the stock trading world. You know, if you pull out your profits now while you still have a win, great. You know, you get to get them out um, versus trying to hang on and you keep losing and falling all the way down. Yeah, thanks for the, those great thoughts. Uh, lessons learned. One of my favorite expressions, don't try to catch a falling knife. So the stock market yeah. would appear to be still a falling knife, uh, even though uh, it may have a little... Um, correction, uh, in, in the, as you mentioned in the last week or so, it doesn't mean it's over. One comment on this, um, historically, stock markets don't really start a, uh, an expansion cycle, basically a, uh, a growth cycle until Fed starts easing and Fed is still tightening. So we are, from that perspective, we're not done. There's still a good amount of time uh, and action by Fed, expected action by Fed, that will um, continue to tighten and will continue to put um, negative pressure on the uh, on the economic growth uh, because yeah. of rising interest rates. And what, what's really fascinating is the fact that how fast they raised interest rates. The speed of their of, of, of the increases uh, relative to a very low basis point. Uh, that's the biggest problem. They they push the rates up from such a low uh, interest rates so fast that they're hurting major affordability. Uh, we were just, uh, I don't know if you were at CG, maybe, I think you were on the trip, so you, might, you missed the CG mastermind, I just came back. Yeah, I was in Alaska during that, yeah. Well, you, you had, you, you had uh, uh, more fun than uh, having you being in the meetings and discussing. There was Bruce Norris, he's, he's a Mr. Southern mm -hmm. California economist, and he said it's really something amazing. He said that the affordability index dropped in Southern California from over 25 to 17% affordability. In three months, wow. it was never. It never happened like this. It took years in the past, because the rates went from such a low point, fast up so fast that their affordability, people's 
uh, ability to borrow mortgage on mortgage and everything else just got so fast, so bad that it, it's a it's a major concern now. So um, I, I share your thoughts, and uh, I'm not a big stock market um, analyst or or uh, an expert on that, but for sure the market feels like it's not done. It's got plenty of room to correct still, like you said, 12 years of yeah. great returns. Uh, we're reverting to the mean. I have a great friend. Um, you know, we're going to invite her back on a podcast. It's, it's kind of a funny, I met her on a plane back uh, from uh, Tampa, my good friend, Francis Newton Stacy, and she's a frequent commentator on, uh, on Fox News, on Bloomberg, and many others. She actually appears with Maria Bartiromo. So we'll be an episode with her again. Like, I'm definitely going to invite her back. And uh, we're just chatting. This is her favorite term, reversion to the mean. We're reverting to the mean because we overshot so much that we need to yep. get back down to more realistic territory. So I agree. let's continue discussion, infinite banking. Um, what's happening? What's the impact on infinite banking? Folks buying whole life policy with these great cash, uh, um, overloaded ca- policies of cash so that they can borrow when they need the money. Uh, is more money going yeah. there? Are these policies paying more with rising interest rates? What, what, what's happening out there? Yeah, so right now, uh, the interest rates are still pretty low overall. Um, it's, it's higher than it was even just a few months ago when we were talking about this. Uh, we were talking about getting bank lines of credit at 3%. Well, now that prime rate's gone up and stuff, now it's rate about 4%, give or take, uh, which is still really low um, because the dividend rates right now are right around 55 to 6% currently. Um, here's what you'll see happen. You'll see the loan rates start to come back up more and more, more quickly and then eventually, probably by like 2024, you'll start to really see an effect on the overall dividend rates where the rate dividend rates will go up on the insurance policies too, especially if rates keep going up or stay at least where they are now. So uh, the good news is that when people are like, oh, interest rates are going up. Well, that's good for us if we have money in the life insurance because that just increases the dividends that we get paid and those are all tax-free. So if anything, that makes it even a lot more competitive than even trying to put your money in the stock market over the next few years. You know, most people are trying to put money in the market, throwing it in, and then they watch it tank. Where here at the life insurance is guaranteed to always grow, but now we're seeing better and better dividend rates are going to start coming in the next few years um, just because interest rates are going up. So if you want to take advantage of these interest rates, it's a good time. It's a great time to do that and, and have some certainty around your money that's protected versus having it gamble and whatever emotional stock market that's controlled by AI that's going on right now. Let me ask you this question. Um, so back to the stagflation, and um, you, you'll see in a minute how I'm gonna come back to what you, what, what you said with high interest rates. Obviously the returns on the policy is going up and that's a great thing. But yeah. here is a basic idea. Um, during stagflation, typically growth stocks are bad, right? I mean, just going back mm-hmm. to stagflation 101. Growth stocks are bad, Bonds are bad because the rates are rising and the bonds typically typically drop in value, right? Value stacks in theory is a better buy. Um, typically, commodities is a good buy, typically during the inflationary environment, stagflation. And then you've got real estate, which is uh, a great hedge against inflation. So real estate is an attractive asset class during stagflation. What about cash? So the issue with cash during inflation, it arose in value, right? So if you basically... There's a couple of reasons why would you want to have cash. One, minimize the losses. You said that, right? If the market is still dropping, by selling now, if you have high confidence it's going to drop further, then why keep you know bleeding? Why you could actually stop the bleeding, sell today, uh, take your losses, 
and then have the cash. The cash is better than the losing investments in theory. Yeah. On the other side, you got cash becomes ammunition for great deals. So if you're waiting for a great opportunistic real estate deal to invest in, having cash is your dry powder, right? Mm-hmm. Problem with cash, it erodes in value during an inflationary environment, right? So yeah. what about this idea? And again, this, this is promotion for what you do. But obviously, I think it's yeah. a solid idea. Uh, folks can take the cash and put it in the whole life policy, um, essentially getting some yield parking cash in these policies and having access to cash when they need cash. So instead of having cash in the bank earning whatever it is now, it's more than a quarter percent before, maybe now it's 1%. Uh, well, they could earn 575 in the whole life policy and then get access to that cash when they need it, when they feel it's time to come back into the market, the market bottomed out, or uh, they find a great real estate deal to invest in. So what do you think about that idea? Absolutely. It's especially when you're in a time of transition, it's, some people are scared to do much with their money, which is why many people are still holding money in cash right now. And they have been, some people have held money in cash, even during all these market swings, you know, and, and this is a much better place than earning point nothing percent in your bank account, right? Cause even if you earn point nothing percent in your bank account, you then get taxed at the end of the year on that point nothing percent or here, all the money grows tax-free um, it's still liquid. You can still get to this money in your, inside your life insurance, um, much like a savings account. I mean, it's not like you go into a bank and pull it out, but you can do transfer requests just like you would if you had an online savings account. So uh, online savings account, you might do a transfer and it takes a day or two for it to get to your actual bank and then it's there. Same thing with life insurance. You can do the same thing, but earn, like I said, over five and a half plus percent tax-free, which if you think about from a taxable standpoint, you would have to have a savings account that pays you like at least a seven or 8% return taxable, even if it's like an IRA or, or something like that to be able to do the same thing we're doing with the life insurance. So you're right. It's, and, and it's guaranteed, right? There's, there's that floor that they have of at least a 3% floor that you have. And that's if things just come crashing down and everything's going crazy, at least they'll pay you the guarantee of 3%. But right now they're paying, you know, five and a half, six percent currently. And, and that could keep going up if rates keep going up too. Um, so that's the one thing that is nice. The, se- the second thing about that too, is that, you know, I tell everybody, you can't get financially free off of this life insurance alone. And really that's true with mutual funds. You can't become financially free off that. You can't become financially free off the life insurance. There's nothing that a financial advisor can offer that's going to make you financially free. But if you can invest in alternative investments, like what you already do with, with the Tempo Fund and things like that, you use the life insurance, get that line of credit with, to borrow against it to then put into those deals. And then those deals kick out returns that you can use to go back towards life insurance and you're cycling the money in and out. What ends up happening is you end up making money in two places at the same time because you're making a higher spread than what you're paying for on the loans. So you're making money because you're making a higher interest than the loan, just like the bank does with you, right? Banks borrow money from you when you put into a savings account. And like I have an online savings account paying me a whopping 0.6%, right? And that's pretty high right now, um, but it's paying me 0.6%. But I know the banks turn around and loaning that money at least a three, 4% interest rates, if not higher. If it's a mortgage, it's probably over 5%. They're loaning that money out, making a spread off of my money. You can do the same thing by getting a bank line of credit at a lower rate than what you, they're paying you on the life insurance. So because you get that spread of money there, and then you can invest in these alternative investments, now and all you're making double digit, digit returns, but you're making an extra few percent plus on top of it. Um, so to give you a real life example, like I, I show like one of my presentations on YouTube, 
I show like, if you're going to buy, you know, put a quarter million dollars down on a, on a apartment building, right? A small apartment building. You put a quarter million dollars down on that. And that pays you just say, you know, $2,000 a month, right? Or about 25,000 a year, just keep it low cash flow. Even then, what's kind of cool is that you can take that money, cycle it through. Um, after nine years, if you were to just take that cash flow, that, that you know, 25,000 a year coming from that property, putting it back in towards your savings account, you're only going to earn about 1700 bucks over the next nine years in interest. That's it. But if you use the life insurance, you instead end up earning $140,000 of interest. Not, you know, actually it was 1200. I'm mistaken. It's about 1200 of interest on the savings account. So way higher return, way higher leverage. Um, and again, that money's still there growing and earning its returns because you're getting this line of credit against it. And you're able to use that money at a lower rate than what they're paying you. And so it's, it's one of those things that's a great strategy to use no matter what you want to do with it. And there's no restrictions. It's not like IRAs where you have to jump through all these hoops and says you can or can't do this because it's not qualified or not. There's none of that stuff. There's no 59 and a half rule. You don't have to deal with all these complexities. It's really as simple as using much like a savings account. Uh, but now you also got the death benefit as a, as a benefit too. Yeah, well, very, very powerful. I mean, from what uh, I, I, sub I certainly subscribe to this and I love the, uh, the concept and it's, it, it's your conservative part of your investment portfolio. I think that's your term actually. Um, mm -hmm. You basically invest the, the cash into something that earns you five and a half, five seventy-five, And if you borrow, you borrow at lower rate than that, that you, you have a little arbitrage between that rate, right? With your policy yeah. earns and the, the money that you borrow, but then you deploy that money into real estate and whatever else. Uh, and that earns you that return. And then any excess cash flow you just pay back on the loan. And that effective rate is the rate you're paying on the loan, that interest rate. So you, you're saving at the rate of a loan versus whatever the you know, 0.6% interest that your bank is paying. Very, very powerful. Right. So it makes total sense. Uh, uh, I guess not much has changed. The, these policies um, take years to move the rates up and down. Um, That's right. So it's not like an immediate move, even though the interest rates are up a little bit. The policies don't immediately because they are long-term investments. And the impact of uh, changing interest rates in the, in the immediate run is that the policy may kind of gravitate towards paying a little bit more. But it's not an you know it's not an urgent overnight thing. These things don't move that fast. It's just more of a right. long term investment. That makes total sense. So what else you talk about with your coaching clients um, uh, in, in terms of investing? Uh, obviously, deflation yeah. and what, what uh, we continue to invest in real estate. We love uh, what we do, and especially in this environment where recession could be on the horizon, but it's not going to be the same recession. In, different, in the same, you know, the same recession in different parts of the country. I think we're going to yeah. see substantial corrections and, and uh, some changes in the cyclical market, like Southern California, Phoenix, which both markets already showing substantial signs of real estate softening, probably Las Vegas, probably Austin, probably some Southern Florida uh, versus Midwest, some of these very steady markets, and we've got some great upcoming projects. And I just, I was just in Detroit yesterday. I looked at this awesome portfolio of four multifamily assets in suburbs of Detroit, great suburbs. I looked at it, and I mean, it's just these markets don't fluctuate. So, what do you tell your clients nowadays? Continue to invest in real estate, just pick and choose your battles carefully, pick more um, uh, non cyclical markets, steady markets, 
to avoid the correction because the correction in real estate is very possible just like a stock market just different markets correct differently that's right so any, any thoughts on this absolutely i mean i just had a call with my clients recently um because what we do with our clients we more consult with them right we're not financial advisors we're not investment advisors we're not saying you know cash out this do that um, but we are good strategists and connectors and especially most of our clients are coming to us saying okay we see what's going on right now I see the danger. This is the big concern, of course, is the market's going down. This could put me back from that quote unquote retirement goal that I have. This could put me out another decade or two, just like it did in the last, you know, in the 2000s. My dad, who's trying to retire right around 2000, had to wait until after 2015 before he could retire because the market swings, right? Those market cycles. So, so they're, of course, worried about investing for cash flow. Um, and that's the big thing we focus on is, is that, I mean, you can go for growth type of investments too. And depending on the person that can work, but cash flow is really what people are looking for. They want to know results right now. And, and especially with worries about inflation, I've even had people try to go above and beyond what would be that considered their like financial independence number. Uh, give you an example. I have a one client, he's about 60 years old, just retired from the military out in California. Um, yeah. He's getting a pension from the military, but he's got money from his, his retirement plan that he had, he's wondering what to do with. And so we actually got a, about a little over a million of it deployed and it's currently paying him $12,000 a month, which he's thrilled about because prior to that, before with his 401k, it was making him a couple hundred of passive income a month. So it wasn't doing anything for him at all. Um, now to get to generate 12,000 a month, he's now using that. Now he is taking some of that income and he's putting that, running that through life insurance too. So he's actually doing that whole double dip type of approach with someone's investing, but he, what we got that money deployed first, we went and deployed the bulk of that money and only some of that money is going into that insurance plan. The majority of it's going in more into real estate deals. Um, even like some oil and gas, that was one thing that he wanted to do a lot of. Um, and I've had a lot of clients, especially like you say, commodity prices are a big thing. Oil and gas could definitely be one of those to help hedge a little of that. Um, commercial, especially when we're looking at real estate, I, I still think real estate is a great place but it's more about who is doing the investing, especially if you're doing it through a, through a partner, right? If you're doing it through someone who is an operator, the who is much more important than the what they're investing in. You know, I do worry about what they invest in. Like, I don't want people trying to invest in things they don't understand, but I, I really want the operators that have been through at least a full market cycle. Like they've been through the last recession. They know how to pivot and move and change as things do change. Because the truth is, whatever we're entering into right now, will be different than before. So you need somebody who's actually going to be smart, someone who's got a little bit of foresight or at least able to adjust as things happen. Just like we had to adjust a little bit in 2020, just because things were shifting and changing. You want someone who can weather through that storm, maneuver through that, and still not just give you a return on your money, but most importantly, return of your money. So you're getting your money back um, at some point, or you're able to at least know that your money is protected, that it's still there. It's still doing something. Um, so that's a big thing I'm really telling my clients is focus really on who that operator is, especially because a lot of my clients are going more the syndicated route versus doing turnkey properties, um, especially right now, leverage, like getting mortgages on turnkey properties really are not attractive because the interest rates have gone up so high so fast, the cash flows have shrunk on those. Um, we do have one operator we use. I know it's a mutual friend of ours that he doesn't use any bank leverage and he's still paying very strong cash on cash returns. But for the most part, um, you know, if, other than that, we're looking more at like syndications, like what your fund has to offer. 
things like that, where we can know we can make still good returns, but we want to make sure we have somebody we can really trust that can maneuver these different markets. Love it, uh, Chris. It's, it's <laughs> you're preaching to the choir. Uh, we certainly always 100% focus on the operator. I, I can't stress this enough. It, it's kind of a being a fund to fund model with capital allocators. And we allocate capital based on market conditions and the market conditions are changing. Uh, and certainly we are taking more defensive investments, but even that said, it's always with who we invest with and what strategy we invest. So again, back to the trip I just, just finished, um, the operator we're investing with, he's a phenomenal uh, operator. He was on a podcast, uh, his name is Paul Keebler, and he's just a specialist in the Midwest. And I spent a day with him just seeing his team. I've been, I've uh, been to his Indianapolis operations for the first time I went out and I saw Detroit operation. It was just as impressive. Great team, great warehouse. Cowie buys materials at massive discount, direct shipping from China, avoids all these wholesales, wholesalers and distributors. And you go through all that stuff and how he focused on just, just phenomenal operation makes all the difference, especially when you have a value add project. It doesn't even matter what the market does. He creates a ton of value by renovating units and increasing rents to what the market already supports, not assuming any rent inflation. So the who yeah. is always critical. And as a fund manager, I'm the capital allocator. I need to focus on guys like that. And uh, the same is true for your folks. Whoever they invest with, if they invest with us, because we adjust during the times to, the, to work with the right people in more defensive projects, because the, the, the rule number one, don't lose principle, right? That's the, that's there are no right. guarantees in life, but that's, that's if you can avoid that, if you can avoid losers, you will do generally well, very well when these projects become big winners. So that's kind of a... What you said, who is the number one investment? Um, it's a step number one. In my process, again, I'm going to shut up in a second, let you speak more. Any investment has three steps. Step number one, kind of rules of investing. It's always who you're investing with. Are you confident in their ability, uh, their integrity, their track record, their history, their teams, all that stuff? That's the who. And two, is what you're investing in, what kind of a strategy and what kind of projects. And three, are you getting the right economics? Did you negotiate a good deal? Can you can you get the right economics? Because there are a lot of great operators, great assets, and the offered terms are not that good. And you have to get all three. If one of them is off, no good. And you have to follow in that sequence. Operator, project, terms. That's, that's kind of how I think about it. Well, let's go back to... Um, uh, sort of a little bit short on time, but kind of any final thoughts on uh, what else folks can do in this environment uh, other than really get concerned and tighten up? And uh, is, this, is this something else they can do uh, with their financial planning? Like, what, what, what should folks do today different from, I don't know, six months ago in their financial planning? Obviously, you said some really important incomes, getting incomes are hard. Getting yield yeah. nowadays is very hard unless you're loaning money. Should folks be doing a little bit more of these loans to generate yield uh, in theory in a high interest rate environment? Because returns or equity are certainly shrinking for sure. So cash on cash is shrinking. Um, so what are your thoughts? Yeah, every, every situation is unique that way. Um, you know, we get a lot of people lately that if they have done real estate investing, like where they bought their own properties, they have a lot of equity, but the cash flow doesn't look great right now. Um, a lot of times we talk about repositioning out of it, you know, maybe doing a 1031 exchange into something else, you know, and, and doing something that way. That's been a very common strategy, especially if they live on the Western half of the United States, 
uh, if someone ever has any property in California, Oregon, Washington, or places like that, uh, guaranteed they're, they're making too little for the amount of equity they have. So looking at the return on equity is huge. If, if your return on equity is not making at least 10%, meaning that if you have say 400,000 of equity in your properties, if you're not making at least $40,000 of a net profit of cash flow a year, we should probably look at repositioning into something different, you know, and that's a common thing I'm finding lately. Um, but I, I think really the, the big, the big thing right now is that, uh, you know, you can't trust financial advisors right now. Um, if you have a financial advisor, um, it's just like a fund manager right now. They have, they, their pocketbooks are tied to you keeping your money under their management. So to say, Hey, no, no, this is the best time stay in. In fact, keep putting more money in, you know, you should buy when it's low. That's a perfect strategy that financial advisors and fund managers have taught us to do because they want to make sure that their money keeps growing. Even as the market tanks and it shrinks it, then if you keep pumping money in, it keeps their assets under management up and they get paid more. Even if you're losing money, they still get paid. You cannot trust any advice, any forecast from those people. The people that are telling you, hey, my fund is fine. Those are the people you can't trust because they have an self-interest to tell you the market's going to go up, right? That things are going to be better. Hang in there. Um, you really need somebody who can be honest with you. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's why we do what we do, why we stay off of those kind of, you know, those kind of, a, that kind of advice where it's based on assets under, under our management. And that's, we tell you, you should do this or that or the other. It's really about what's going to be best for you right now. And, uh, and right now, I think guidance is needed more than ever. Uh, you definitely need somebody who's going to be honest and say, hey, this looks good or this doesn't. You know, it's ultimately your call of what you get to do with your money. But to be able to say, here's some warning signs. Here's things to watch out for. Uh, here's places that might be safer right now compared to maybe next year. It might be a different strategy. So just so you know, by the time you hear stuff in the news anyways, it's already happened. Usually that advice has already been given and it's already worked. And that's why that strategy comes out. Um, you want to make sure you're at the forefront of what's coming so that you benefit from that and you become the success story versus everybody else talking about their success. And then you come in too late. Yeah, it makes total sense. I love this. This is really important for most people dissecting the news, what's noise and what's real um, news or what, what, what is valuable real information versus the noise. And there's so much noise and, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exercise of its own to understand what is real and what is just, just background noise. Um, That's right. So how would folks get a hold of you? So the, probably the simplest and the easiest way for folks to um, get into a better place is to work with someone like you who understands the anti-Wall Street uh, alternative investments, has great um, um, infinite banking uh, machine. Yeah. I don't know how else to put it. Very, very powerful, uh, great way to deploy capital, low risk, fairly safe, uh, with ability to get access to cash. How would, get a how, how would folks get a hold of you? Yeah, easiest way is just go to moneyripples.com. That's M-O-N-E-Y-R-I-P-P-L-E-S.com. Um, go there. Um, there's actually a contact us form you can do, whether you have questions on infinite banking, whether it's on the you know, consulting side or wherever it might be. Um, but the nice thing is, I mean, there's plenty of tools and education on there. We even have a passive income calculator where you can put in your own current numbers and see just how much passive income you could generate in the next 12 months. So uh, definitely feel free to go and uh, check that out at moneyripples.com. Thank you for sharing that. By the way, just a final thought. I went back and I kind of thought for a second what you said, and that concept makes total sense. Love the concept. If you're on a West Coast, if you're on the coastal market anyway, same, same happens in New York and other ones. 
when you have heavily appreciated real estate, uh, the uh, incomes haven't gone up the way the prices have gone up. And that's something to, to think about, especially if you have a lot of trapped equity and your return on equity, essentially, what, what are you generating on the equity, not your basis in the deal? That's right. Very important. So if you, if you originally invested 200,000 and equity is worth now 500,000, you need to be thinking return on equity concept, not return on the original investment or cash on cash, which is uh, not necessarily the right metric. It's, it's a great um, concept. Of course, it's, it's hard to take a property that uh, is in coastal market and mm -hmm. uh, deploy the cash uh, with that kind of rate of return somewhere else, unless you do some kind of, um, you said 1031 exchange, or you do some right. kind of tax efficient uh, transaction where you sell and you buy in the same year something that generates a lot of depreciation because in right. that whole equation becomes do you refinance and take the cash out and do something with it or do you sell and roll the cash into another deal with tax benefits so anyway just wanted to add that comment because I love the idea it's a, it's a great concept thank you for sharing that all right moneyripples.com Chris Miles thank you Chris very much appreciate your wisdom uh, enjoy the rest of your summer and I'll see you uh, soon you too, Mike. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.